Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of College and Career Coffee Chats with Delicia. I'm your host, Delicia Larcón, your resident hype Sia, or your fellowship fairy godmother. However you would like to describe me as, I'm here for you. This is another episode of interviews and guest speakers coming in to chat with me about being a first generation, how to navigate imposter syndrome, how to navigate the world uh, today in the work environment, the application process, the undergraduate admissions, and the graduate admissions process. We're here together to chat about it, to peel back the layers, to peel back the curtain behind what happens in higher education, to really provide the skills and the tools necessary to succeed in whatever that goal is for you. So make sure you have your coffee, your energy drink, or tea, whatever you want to listen in on this conversation between my guests, my colleagues, and my friends. And make sure you stay tuned so you can get access to all the free goodies and the gifts that I have created for you as it relates to training, about scholarships, about resume writing, about cover letter, anything that you need in the process. I've created some gifts for you so you can download those instantly and have access to the workbooks and the trainings. And stay tuned if you would like to join the Facebook group and the community to connect with everyone. So. Without further ado, let's listen in on our guests and our conversations. Cheers. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of College and Career Coffee Chats. Today, I'm really excited. I have Emily Lada here with me. I'm going to introduce her and give her a little background as to who she is, and then we're going to chat all things, her journey as a student and into a young professional. And we're gonna also change things up a little bit today. We're gonna add a little uh, career coaching resume review mini session. So you all can learn from Emily's experience and uh, learn from her questions and um, kind of learn from each other as to how you go through like the resume writing and review process, because we're always constantly editing the, the resumes. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Emily Lara is a first generation Mexican American student who was born and raised in Oregon. She graduated from George Fox University in December of 2019 with a bachelor's in psychology, a French minor, as well as cri- a criminal justice minor. She enjoys traveling and has been able to study abroad in places like France, Thailand, and Cambodia. She has a passion to ensure equality, fairness, and justice for underrepresented populations. She pursued this passion by obtaining a job opportunity as an immigration paralegal, which happens to be where she had previously interned, and she is currently studying to take the LSAT and hopes to become a criminal defense and immigration attorney to continuing pursuing her passion and professional goals. So without further ado, let's cheers our coffee, Emily. Yes, cheers. Cheers. (laughs) She has some iced coffee Mm -hmm. today. I have some regular brewed. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'll go pick up my caramel macchiato. (laughs) Oh, so good. Love me a good caramel macchiato. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. So 
for you all listening, Emily and I met through a Facebook group online uh, for first generation students and we connected over the summer and we've been going back and forth as to when should we connect again? And then I started a podcast and we're like, oh, let's do it. Let's do a recording. So I'm really excited to share her story with us because it's um, a phenomenal story. And of course, highlight some Latinas. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) A long time. Yes. So how would you uh, define first generation outside of the textbook definition? I know we chatted a little bit offline about it and it's in your Mm -hmm. bio. So uh, how would you expand on that? Yeah. So for me, when I hear first generation, I mean, the typical definition is um, you're the first one to go to school in your family. None of your other family members, immediate family, I would say, has gone to pursue higher education or has obtained their bachelor's or just a degree in general. Um, I think the way I think I would do it, define it more as like a character, like with characteristics of the individual who is considering themselves a first generation student. So I think it's someone who um, has a lot of perseverance, is very determined to find that path towards achieving getting a degree because that path wasn't set for you previously. Uh, typically, it tends to be first generation students tend to be um, the child of parents of immigrants. For example, me, my parents are from Mexico, they did not go to school. Um, So I consider myself a first-generation student, and I also see myself as a role model for my little cousins, my brother, so they could also pursue that and see, have like an example. So I was kind of like a little guinea pig (laughs) of the family, I guess. So sometimes we're the guinea pigs of the family. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's definitely someone who's ambitious and will fight till the end. Even though you don't know what you're doing, you'll find a way to figure it out. So I guess it's like everywhere, but characteristic-wise, I see it more like that with um, different characteristics of someone. Yes. I love that uh, piece of uh, figuring it out, right? We are guinea pigs in many Mm -hmm. ways and we have to figure it out and find an answer no matter um, what an obstacle might look like. Um, And how did that kind of help you navigate college and choosing a major and figuring out uh, life decisions when we... um, kind of have to navigate it on our own. Yeah, so I mean, in high school, I did IB classes. So it wasn't until like junior year where I was set on psychology. So I took IB psych and I was just like, wow, this is really cool. I can literally apply this material anywhere I go. And it just helps me mentally as well, which is really cool. Um, So that's where I fell in love with psychology. And I was like, I think that's what I'm going to do in college. And so I did, I started with my Um, bachelor's in psychology and there were times where I was questioning it I think everyone will question their their major at least once in college it's normal Um, and I was really debating of switching to social work but I was like yeah no (laughs) so I stuck with my um, I stuck with my psychology degree but I mean getting there wasn't easy getting into school wasn't easy since that was the first one Um, I basically just leaned on um, other like family friends I would say who had um, kid or children who actually did go to school. So I just had to kind of ask them. I had to ask my teachers. Um, I did have mentors in my life in high school where um, I was participating in different like leadership roles. So they were guiding me at some point and explaining how to fill out the 
the FAFSA. The FAFSA was just freaking <laughs> crazy. I yes. had to fill that out on my own with my parents having no clue what I was filling out. Like, hey, can you give me your tax information? Like, they're just freaking out. But I'm like, I need it. <laughs> and stuff like that. So it was definitely a journey. But I mean, it's difficult, but you just kind of figure it out. If you really want it, you're going to figure it out. So it wasn't easy getting to where I was now, but yeah, just kind of have to keep going and figure things out. <laughs> yes, figure it out along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was also a psych major, so I loved psychology and uh, understanding why we do certain behaviors and learning about cognitive development and as an yeah. educator, right, pedagogy. So, uh, but early on, I knew I didn't want to do clinical psych. I didn't want to be a therapist. Uh, for many reasons. But uh, I think it's important for anyone listening to realize that if you start in a major, and you realize that the traditional route is something you don't want to do, don't panic, because there are other mm-hmm. jobs and other things that you can be doing outside mm-hmm. of uh, therapy. We, we need therapists. Yes, we need bilingual therapists. And if that's your calling, do it. We need you, especially with mental health um, mm-hmm. support. However, it's also important to navigate whether that's really something that uh, it's for you. Yeah, I think the cool thing about a social science degree is that you can basically, you can do so many things. So it doesn't necessarily have to be something in the sociology field. It doesn't have to be psychology. It doesn't have to just be like criminal justice. You can apply it. You can apply those things anywhere you go, any jobs. So, yeah. I mean, a lot of the job postings nowadays, they'll say, like, a social science degree. It doesn't specifically say psychology or stuff like that. Right. Some do, but, um, <laughs> but, yeah. So, like she said, I did not I did not decide to take the, the regular route. My first initial idea with, with my psychology degree was to pursue forensic psychology in the mm-hmm. future, which I think is still very cool. Yeah. Um, but there was a turning point in my life, uh, an event that happened with my immediate family where like I just realized this is what I need to do. This is what I want to do. And I want to do it for other people. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I decided to go the law route. And I hope that I can get my law degree soon. My hope is mm-hmm. to go to school. Go back to school soon. So I am studying for the LSAT. Right. Um, but yeah, so hopefully I'll go to get my um, my juris doctor instead of my PsyD or whatever yeah. the other situation could have been. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I think psychology helps you with um, the law with a law degree, because you're still dealing with people and how they operate. Mm -hmm. And um, I took a course in college about psychology and the law and how that Mm -hmm. operates. So I think that's really cool. And um, something that we need too. we need bilingual lawyers, right with um, Mm -hmm. immigration law and uh, supporting our communities that might not understand what's happening because they don't understand the the law in English. But if you explain it in Spanish, they might understand it or, or Brazilian Portuguese or whatever their native language is, right? Yeah. So I think that's really exciting. And how are you doing studying with the LSATs? Yeah, no, I have a, I use a program online. So, um, I mean, it's hard because I've, it's been a while since I've studied for anything just with school. So getting my brain back into that like mentality of you need to study for this because this exam is approaching, you need to be ready. It's kind of like, Ugh. because after a long <laughs> day of work, I'm on the computer yeah. all day, eight right. hours a day on the computer. And I just don't want to come back home and be on the computer again. Right. So 
it's kind of hard with my brain just being so tired <laughs> yes. at the end of the day. But yeah, I need, definitely need to work harder because yeah, I'm like it's getting it's getting here. <laughs> it's coming. The date to take the exam is coming. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Absolutely. And like she mentioned about a social science degree, right? It gives you a lot of transferable skills from uh, your undergrad experience into your professional life or um, for your master's or your JD or your PhD program. And is there a specific area in law degree that you want to kind of work through? Yeah, so I mean, I know there's not that many attorneys who are bilingual in family law. So like, the thing that I've realized is like these are things that people need every day mm-hmm. and it's just like crazy to think about it that way like there's always going to be a situation with immigration or just people finding themselves in an immigration situation um divorce right. there's always people who will need some sort of help with divorce negotiations and so forth coming to an agreement with the split um or like even just like custody and stuff like that like so long like very big it's just everywhere um, right, but yeah, like right. attorneys who speak Spanish and like we need more attorneys in family law. So, I mean, I think I'm just gonna adventure out and see where I go. But my where I'm leaning more towards is immigration for sure, mm-hmm. and then um, definitely criminal defense. I think that would be really, really interesting to, to do. But yeah, immigration is where most of my passion leans towards. Just like I think I did share, I think I shared the story with you, right? When we first talked in like July yes yeah I think so so Emily has had a lot of experiences like she mentioned earlier in our chat about um why she decided to pursue psych but then uh connected to law so do you want to expand a little bit more about that and share like a story I know we personally talked about it offline but for anyone listening (laughs) yeah so like I said I mean College as a first generation is very difficult. I mean, I've lived with my parents this whole time, basically. And you know how hard it is when you just have other responsibilities at home that you have to do on top of your homework and maybe helping take care of your younger siblings or your parents are working most of the time. So you have to like take your siblings to places. So it's definitely very hard. Um, I know yeah. a lot of friends who aren't necessarily a first generation student don't have other obligations besides school. But I've seen that a lot of first generation students do have that connection of, well, like, yes, there's school, but our families don't, it's like, it's, yes, it's a priority, but we have other things at home we need to take care of as well. So navigating that is also very hard as a first gen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, one of the difficult times during my, um, I guess, my adventure, I guess I would say adventure. <laughs> Our journey. Way in college. Uh, <laughs> um, I think we're kind of marked my journey there we go that's the word the journey yeah <laughs> in school was my junior year of college and I remember it so vividly it was um literally it was the week like the week prior to finals week um and so I woke up to a phone call and it was a family member who was being detained by ICE and they were being taken to Tacoma but in my head like I've had these nightmares before this was like one of my biggest fears you know waking up and one of my family members being gone and so right. I woke up at like 6 a.m. to that phone call and I'm just like is this a dream so I like made nothing of it I went back to bed like okay like just a nightmare again I went back to bed and then I woke up and I was reflection and like reflecting on that dream 
And I went outside and I'm like, why is there a work truck still here? Like, is this real? And I just freaked out. I went to my mom and like, we both started freaking out. And then we finally started getting calls from um, people that work with them. And so um, that's when like, we like started putting it together. Like, wow, this is actually real. Um, I still went to school that morning. I was in complete shock. I didn't know what to make of it. Um, it was just really crazy. I never thought like it would happen. Mm-hmm. And so I found myself like not being able, I was not mentally capable of anything. I could not focus. And I like, I had to be studying for my finals. I would try studying for finals and I would just break down crying, freaking out. Like, what can I do? Um, and so I then reached out to the the attorney that we had gotten for them and I started working alongside the attorney given it was finals week I was like you know what whatever so I did speak to Mm -hmm. my professors it was definitely very difficult because it's things that we're taught not to share with other people because we don't know who you can trust with that information so it was definitely very hard opening up to my professors and speaking to them about it and hopefully them understanding that I'm struggling I cannot focus for this, this exam like my family member comes first you know so mm-hmm. that was very helpful. I did go to a private Christian school. Um, so I think um, professors are very understanding there, which was really great. They helped me work with, like they worked with me and I could rearrange my exams if I needed to. Um, so I was working with the attorney. I did a lot of the paperwork um, for their application. Um, I did a lot of getting the letters of support from other people from the community just so they can see that this person has a good moral character and stuff like that. So that's where my immigration experience came from, where like filing the application and kind of putting it, putting it together or helping it get put together. Um, And so like being able to do that because I spoke English, my family members don't really speak English that well. So that was, that felt good to be able to help them. And we were able to get them out of the detention center in a span of two weeks, which is really rare. Two weeks is like, whoa because normally you're in it for months so yeah. it was crazy it was a crazy experience um luckily like I didn't even need to move my exams I only moved one exam thanks to my professor so I passed all my exams we got my family member back and it was just like finally like that nightmare was kind of gone um so that's when I was like wow like I guess I really needed to go through this experience I don't know I just saw it as like oh god put me through this experience so I can help others maneuver through that like mm-hmm. that um that situation I guess and that's when I really opened my eyes like wow like there's people who wouldn't have had that like, there's people who would have been just stuck in there maybe not be able to afford an attorney or stuff like that um so I just kind of opened my eyes um I hope one day I can do like open up my own practice as well and kind of help help people who can't really afford it an attorney mm-hmm. but yeah it's for kind of my um, what I say, my passion for it came, I guess it grew bigger than it already was. I've always advocated right. for it and spoken about it when I can, because I know so many people don't know much about how our immigration system works. We just see it as like a, I see the example of like, just get in line to, you know, file this, blah, blah, but it's not right. that easy. And um, so I actually interned at Catholic Charities in an immigration the immigration office, I guess I would say. So we have about eight attorneys. It's a nonprofit and we have like five, six legal assistants and I'm the baby, which is kind of cool. <laughs> it's kind of cool being so young and everyone's just like, you know, it just feels really cool. Um, I'm 22 and everyone else is like about 26 and up, which is kind of like interesting. I get to learn from all these people. Right. Um, and work 
with people who have more experience than me is always really cool. And I've learned a lot. Um, and I actually landed a job opportunity with them before I graduated from school, which was like very rare. It's very rare to graduate <laughs> with already a job waiting for you, which is really like, whoa, this is awesome. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's actually, I just hit a year of being at Catholic Charities now, um, which is super cool. I learned a lot about the immigration system and them like I this is what I want to do you know so yeah that's kind of where it came to be and when my passion grew and why I decided to take the path I decided to take and mm -hmm. hopefully pursue that degree soon it's kind of hard now that I've been working for a year it's kind of hard going back to that school thinking about school and homework again you know yes <laughs> it's always the homework it's a different like, type I love of work <laughs> yeah I love learning but just the homework sometimes it's just yes. so much yeah and then I think I've always worked when I was in school I always had two jobs I had two jobs when I was in school um and I was doing full-time I was doing 16 credits 18 credits but I don't know I like staying busy yes <laughs> but, um, so I guess like I know I'm gonna have to work while I'm pursuing my degree so hopefully that comes in handy but yeah that's kind of where I am and I'm just been um it's been really hard with COVID. I'm trying to search for new opportunities. I was mentioning to Delicia that I finally found like I got an interview finally for an immigration case manager, which I'm really stoked about because it was for like the government government, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I'll get to be working more in the field, which is super exciting. So I'm just hoping I, I get this position, it'll be really good. But yeah, so I'm stoked. We'll see. We'll see where I end up, but I'm excited. <laughs> yes, Emily has so many great um, different pinpoints in your journey that really influence where you are now and how you're moving forward in what you're learning. And one mm -hmm. thing I want to highlight that you said is how first generation and children of immigrants have uh, kind of these unspoken responsibilities that a lot of people may not know about, right? So are you the first born? I'm the first born. Yeah, I only have one yeah. younger sibling. Mm -hmm. So that's a whole different like category of responsibility. And then you're a first born like woman. So you're uh, mm -hmm. that's a whole other like category of like, yeah. responsibility and taking care of like maybe your elders and your grandparents if they're with you and your younger siblings mm -hmm. or there's just a lot of expectations put on you that's culturally, that's socially, and then you're also navigating school. So yeah. um, that's one of the other reasons I started this kind of podcast is so we can have these conversations and kind of uh, talk through the different layers and the nuances of that and how that affects our collegiate experience that really affects our experiences. Because mm -hmm. Like you mentioned in your story about your family member who had to deal with a legal case while you were in college really affects you mentally, emotionally, psychologically, and you're trying to take final exams. And then you have your classmates who are just worrying about school, which is great. They have that privilege, but then it makes you think of like, well, how do I navigate? How do I perform at that level too, if I'm also dealing with all this other stuff? So um, if you're listening and you're first gen and you're identifying with Emily's story and my story, know that you're not alone in this, that there's actually a lot of us who have to deal with this in college. Um, and in one way, it makes us uh, 
helps us persevere and it gives us resiliency. Um, but at the same time, it's like, oh man, this is a lot of work. No, yeah, man. Yeah, it's crazy. But I think it's really just like going through so many tough experiences and never having it easy. It just makes me work harder and just like, wow, I really went through that. Like I can do this. Yes. <laughs> like if I really want something, I'm going to get it. Like I've gone through so much and I'm just like, no, I've been through work. Yep. So I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. But definitely I'm like, I was thinking about something when you were, when you were mentioning um, just like all the other responsibilities we have at home, but it kind of just flew away from me. I was like, what was I going to say? It'll come back. It'll come back. <laughs> I'll think about it. <laughs> And another thing that we share that we love is traveling. We both studied abroad. I studied abroad in Spain and Australia and then did the Fulbright grant in Brazil. Um, so we share that also. Can you talk us through your study abroad experiences? I know I mentioned France, Thailand, and Cambodia. Um, mm -hmm. But is it through, did you do it through your university or through like another program? Yeah, so basically I did it through my university. I did all those things through my university. So at George Fox, they do have a study abroad. Um, like It's called Juniors Abroad, so your junior year. They okay. um, they have all different kinds of trips aligned, and you kind of just sign up. Um, so I chose the Cambodia and Thailand trip, and most of my friends did, and we went together, and it was super cool. So it was like we were learning. We learned a little bit about the language. We learned about the culture. Um, mm -hmm. We learned about the food. We went to different events while we were over there. But yeah, so it was more like studied, but we studied about the culture, language, and so forth at mm -hmm. our school. And then we took the trip and we had like a tour guide and explaining everything, the statues, the, the different temples and stuff like that. So that one wasn't super like I'm studying abroad in the country. We were learning about it as we went and applying things that we had learned prior to that trip. Right. But that one was more like, a fun traveling experience that like who I don't I never thought I would have gone you know to any of those countries which was insane yeah um <laughs> but yeah it was really cool I definitely want to go back to Thailand if you've never heard of the white temple oh my gosh it's freaking gorgeous it's so cool definitely recommend looking at visit and the beaches <laughs> yes <laughs> the white temple, it's just like it's basically what it is a white temple but it's yeah. just so shiny and the details just crazy yeah whoever I don't remember what the name of the person who created it but it's really cool to see that was one of my favorite places in Thailand and the beach yes <laughs> um, the beaches <laughs> no yes it's beautiful it's crazy and it's really inexpensive for us to to go to Thailand it's inexpensive oh really it's yeah definitely if you're young I see that Thailand is definitely like a recommendation I see it all the time because it's cheap for us to go to Thailand. So if you ever get to go, I totally recommend. And Cambodia, <laughs> both really beautiful. Yes, Super when beautiful. outside is open again. <laughs> no, yes, for real. I miss traveling so much. Yeah. Um, and then France. France was actually where I, I studied. So okay. um, I started learning French when I was in high school. But in high school, I mean, I feel like you don't really learn the language or you don't really learn it. Not really. You kind of just memorize. It's just memorization for the exam mm -hmm. in high school, I feel like. So what I think high school helped me was just like learning to understand it more than anything. And then once I got to college, I took two years. I took two years of French in, in college. 
and then I did my I took a break from it and then I did my study abroad in France a year later which was crazy because I had not practiced French in like a year or anything <laughs> which was insane I was like I was so scared I was like oh my god I'm really gonna do this like I really wanted my minor so I was like oh my god am I really gonna do this it's crazy <laughs> um yeah but being abroad in France for three months living by myself and just random country different language it was it was so cool it was the best thing I've done and <laughs> one of the best things I've done in my life oh my gosh met so many people I was around the language 24 7 that's where I learned the most French that's where I became comfortable speaking French mm-hmm. um it was hard but I did it after not practicing for the longest time I made it to <laughs> one of the highest levels and I was really proud yes. of myself <laughs> So I got my minor and it was so cool. And how I explain like studying abroad, um, if you ever get if you ever get the chance, like definitely try and do it. I know it can be really expensive, but you will not regret it. You will not regret studying abroad. It's kind of I think that's where most of my self-growth came from mm-hmm. because I was this I was this like I mean, I wasn't super confident back then. Um, I didn't really speak up uh, not too much. Like, yes, I had my voice, but I was just too scared to speak up. Right. But then when I went over there, like, I just got to know myself more personally. I lived by myself. I was on myself, like, all the time compared to here where I, I live with my family members still. Right. <laughs> There's always knowing something going on. I never really sit with my thoughts. But yeah. being abroad, wow, like, I grew so much as a person. I did things I would have never thought I would do. I spoke up for things I never thought I would do. Um, I'm, like as bad as it sounds, I normally like get to get, I get taken advantage of just because I'm so nice, but I've learned where to cut, like draw the line. Right. Um, Set boundaries. Yes. Because I am very nice and I don't like being mean to people, but no, yeah, I think when you're abroad, you get to learn who you really are outside of your comfort zone, outside of Mm -hmm. your normal setting, which it's just an experience like, whoa, you will not come back the same person. I guarantee you yes it doesn't like if you're over there for at least a month I feel like I think it has to be at least a month (laughs) yeah for you to get like comfortable with who you really are outside of your setting and with no one you really know in the area it just really helped me helped me a lot it was it's just like one of the best experiences like I said (laughs) yeah absolutely study abroad really shifts your perspective it really pulls on you Mm -hmm. to be independent And especially growing up Latinas, right, we live with our family members, we're very interconnected, and maybe there aren't that many boundaries, and there's responsibility to be like, the first uh, in your family to go to college and the oldest daughter. Mm -hmm. So when you get removed from that, you can finally figure out how do you want to operate on your own as an autonomous individual, uh, without maybe this um, pressure around you. And I don't Mm -hmm. want to say that it's negative or positive. It just is right. Like that's just the way we grow up in many ways. And it's not to knock our family or anything. It's just to explain that Mm -hmm. that's how we navigate. Right. So when you're given the opportunity to go abroad, you can see yourself outside of that. And like you said, sit with your thoughts and just like figure out how do you want to navigate the world? How do you want to show up? And then you're stretched and put outside of your comfort zone. So you really get mm-hmm. to learn how you want to show up and then set those boundaries, right? You're like, oh, wait a minute, like that was not yeah. okay. Or how do I um, 
live how do I want to live my life right Mm -hmm. yeah I like how you worded that definitely and you made me remember what I was going to say before when I was what was I going to (laughs) say because you were speaking about all the pressure all the stress that comes from our family members because they've never experienced going to school and they find it to be so easy and I know like for everyone listening and who's still in school and you're just like my gosh, my parents are like saying this and they give me such a hard time. My parents did that all the time. They were always like, not to like, you know, like shut them down or anything, but it yeah, is very we're, stressful. We're, <laughs> we're processing the experience. It's, it's, not yeah. to ba- it's not to bash our parents or bash yeah, the family. Sure. It's just to like be true and honest to like our lived experiences. Yeah, my parents would always be like, I don't understand how you're not done with your homework. Yeah, like, why are you complaining? It's not hard. Blah, blah, blah. Your age, I would do this. When they start comparing their experiences to yours. Oh, my gosh. It's like, it's not the same thing. And they're headed. It's superior. But it's just like, it's a different. It's just different. different. It's a different hard. And it's just, yeah, and it's just something you can't explain to them, I guess. So Mm -hmm. it's just like, you kind of just have to learn to ignore those comments um, before I wouldn't like let that really get to my head and I would feel so bad about myself and just because they were saying those comments I feel like they weren't satisfied with what I've accomplished but once I've like really like reflected I'm like like oh my gosh I've done all of this at my age like like what <laughs> so, what? yes I'm yeah oh, excuse yes, me I'm good. <laughs> what? yeah so let's read that resume again you. it all starts with you and it took me like it took me a while like I said I wasn't as confident um I used to not be a public speaker I love public speaking now I was I I don't haven't mentioned this on here yet but I was the commencement speaker at my like all-white school for my graduation right (laughs) the president I like I went up to the president I told them I have a story I want to share at graduation do you mind giving me like sparing some time you know for me and I'll read it to you and he approved. And I was just like, wow, I really did that. <laughs> yes, I really so did like, that. <laughs> yeah. So like I said, if you really want something, like go for it. It doesn't hurt to try. Um, but yes, um, once you know, like appreciate, once you know how to appreciate it yourself, be satisfied yourself and not be doing things for other people, but just for your satisfaction, that's my no like bloom. I feel like it took me a while. I was always looking for the approval of my parents or other people but it really just starts with you and that's mm-hmm. the best thing <laughs> absolutely mic drop mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, it starts with you and you have to navigate and figure out what it is that makes you excited about work or excited about college or excited about life in mm-hmm. general and kind of teasing away from that or trying to not look for external validation because we're going to look for it for the rest of your life and you're never going to get it because that's just the nature of life. So if you're happy with you and who you are and how you navigate, then that's, um, that's half the battle, I think in Mm -hmm. growing up in many ways. For sure. Yes. I love it. Mm -hmm. Well, as (laughs) since we're on the topic of talking about ourselves and like, um, being happy with how we accomplish things and honoring that, I think Mm -hmm. that is a great place to kind of talk through resume writing because resume writing is Mm -hmm. sitting with yourself 
and what you've done and what you want to accomplish and being happy and okay with it. And Mm -hmm. I think this is where students get really scared to write their resume and don't want to do it and have a roadblock because they're scared to come up with, I'm not enough, or I haven't made my parents proud enough, or I haven't done what I said I was going to do without realizing that you probably have three to five pages of accomplishments or accolades that you can use to apply to a a job or a, a master's program or whatever. So this is kind of where the transition to like our coaching session comes in is like you mentioned from your experience of figuring out, okay, I'm happy with what I'm doing and I'm, and it's enough, right? It's coming to Mm -hmm. a point that I'm enough for the job I'm applying for. I'm enough for a a legal degree. I'm enough for a master's and a PhD program. And getting to that point is a tough part of like resume writing and personal statements and all that stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. And I mentioned earlier on the call to everyone listening that we're going to try a hybrid like coaching resume review session with Emily. And um, now that we've heard her lived experiences and her life and what she's all about, how do we put that on paper, right? Because we have to transition from our experiences to, all right, now I have to submit this application, right? So before we dive into the written part of your resume, do you have any questions right off the bat or any thoughts? Or what's the first thing that comes to mind when applying to a job? Yeah, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind, I'm just like, what all do they require? (laughs) Um, Yeah, basically, (laughs) the first thing that comes to mind is always the qualifications. Obviously, you have to look at the qualifications before you apply. Um, I have applied to jobs that I don't necessarily meet, like the, the experience requirement, which is always, it's very difficult coming out from graduation and only having like, little experience I mean luckily I took basically my gap and have a year experience worth uh what would I say a year's experience I guess um with uh Catholic Cherries and then sometimes in my application I'll say I also interned for them for about four months prior to getting this job Mm -hmm. um while I probably dummy your qualifications for experienced I believe that all the coursework I did in college, as well as my prior experiences, like equal this experience, mm-hmm. basically. So sometimes I'll try and incorporate that when I'm just like, hey, you know what, it won't hurt to, to try. So exactly, it won't mm-hmm. hurt to try and apply, you never know. Um, mm-hmm. And it's also about putting not only your professional experience from graduating and internship, but also putting your undergraduate coursework and any leadership experiences you had in undergrad really combines everything and is like, I am an ideal candidate for this. And you don't have to meet 100% of the requirements because then what are you gonna learn in the job, right? Yeah. The job you're applying to something new should be a stretch goal, should be something that's gonna push you outside of your comfort zone and really push you to um, expand your experiences. So. you actually don't have to have all the qualifications and you don't have to meet all the expectations that are, are that are, are on the job description. And I think that's where a lot of people get tripped up, especially Latina women, uh, because we think we have to meet 99.9% of the requirements to get mm-hmm. it. Whereas studies show that 
people or white men only meet 50% of the requirement and they still apply. Mm -hmm. So if you're listening, apply, Apply. (laughs) try it out, just (laughs) do it. Mm -hmm. And if you have questions, obviously reach out to us. (laughs) Yes. I've been applying like crazy to new jobs because I just want to do something new and now that I have a year's worth of experience, might as well kind of branch out. I feel like it's time to branch out to somewhere else. But during COVID, wow, it's been crazy. Like applying to a job. (laughs) It's been so hard. Yeah, Yeah, I was telling Delicia, I finally landed an interview. So I'm excited. Yeah. (laughs) So we'll see. Cheers. Seriously. Yeah, we should cheers. Yes. Cheers to new experiences. (laughs) Yes. New experiences, interviews, applications. Mm -hmm. And make it fun. Like, have a good time. Because it's like, yes, I'm a bad bitch I can apply to this job I have these experiences and try it out try it out and see what happens I've been saying that so much (laughs) but on some Beyonce to hype you up (laughs) no seriously oh gosh I love saying that I feel like it wasn't until I started saying that that I was just like yep that's how confident I am (laughs) yeah but yeah that's this job yeah this job so it's an immigration case manager and this job basically like I think it was two years and more yeah two plus years of experience but I've only had like one in like five months I think of experience and I was like like what I said like prior to this I was like I don't meet your requirements necessarily but I have a year's worth of experience plus interning here blah, blah blah my coursework and I'm sure you know like it all adds up like I'm the qualified candidate you need and I got my interview, so I mean, you never know. Like, you never I'm know. Really excited. Yes, that's awesome. Yes, so if you're listening, yes, a good foot in the door, a good experience. And even if you don't get the job, mm-hmm. not you specifically, because you're going to get the job, but oh, yes, <laughs> yes, that we're putting out that good energy for you, claiming um, it, claiming it. <laughs> claiming it right now anyone listening if you apply to a job and you have an interview claim it right now it's yours we're rooting for you mm-hmm. um and the interview is experience the job application yes. process is experience writing that resume cover letter having that phone call or that zoom interview mm-hmm. now because uh, i don't know if people are doing in-person interviews yeah. but it's it's all part of the learning process mm-hmm. so one thing that i love to do with students is to remind them to have fun. Because I know it's stressful. I know we need a job. I know we're dealing with hard times now in COVID. However, we, we also can have fun with it, right? Put some good music on while you're writing your resume, get in a good energy field. And, and look at your accomplishments and be like, yes, I'm a bad bitch. I could do this. I did that, honey. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> put some oh, um, meg the stallion um, oh God, yes. beyonce i see <laughs> girl song. what's her name swat saudi swati so she's remember. great all the I'll, I'll create a playlist and i'll i'll post it for you yeah, all. <laughs> yeah. Um, um also another thing um like those interviews are like jobs that you apply for can later even just be brought up in questions for other interviews. Like for example, I applied, I applied for a position for Susan, Suzanne, like she's a Congresswoman, Congresswoman Suzanne Bonamici. And I didn't, I was 
two there were two finalists me and some other girl and like I made it that far so like I use that as an example sometimes when they ask me questions so while you might have not gotten a job you made it that far in an interview for something that big just kind of cool but yeah exactly (laughs) and you can use those questions to prepare you and use that experience and even stay in touch with those people right the Mm -hmm. the the hr manager or the hr um recruiter those are people that you can still build a relationship with even though you may not have gotten a role or you didn't move on you can ask them follow-up questions sometimes they won't answer sometimes they'll ghost Mm -hmm. you um however if it's someone (laughs) if it's someone who is actually actively talking to you build that relationship with them find them on linkedin talk to them and a month or two from now or a year from now you can still reach out if you're still interested in the company or the the um federal government um department or whatever you're interested in you can always reach out to them and say, hey, I interviewed with you last year. I made it to the interview round. Is there anything open now? Uh, do you think I would be more qualified now with a year or two experience? You that The fact that someone got an interview, like you, for example, tells me that you have a, a door opened. You have access to that department or that community mm-hmm. or that company. So you should, not only you, but anyone listening should use that to their advantage um future opportunities right Mm -hmm. when I don't for example that one when I didn't get that position it was kind of like it was an internship um with her at her office so she's one of the congresswomen in Oregon she's well known um so basically like um when they told me I didn't get the position I emailed them back and I asked hey thank you so much for letting me know and giving me the opportunity to be interviewed um do you have any like tips for the future stuff like that or is there anything I can improve on? Is there any other experience I can acquire before I apply for something similar again? And yeah, like you right. said, sometimes they answer or, or they'll ghost you. But <laughs> yeah, it always looks good though to do that. Yes, absolutely. And in a month or two from now, if you write to them again, mm-hmm. they'll be like, and they respond, they'll, they'll say, oh, she did write to us. Oh, she has been in communication and you're on their mind. And if they ghost you, my friends, it's it's not about you. Don't take it personally. I know it sucks. And I've been there where I've been ghosted so many times. And it's just like, what? I just want to help. I just want a job. Like, why are you ghosting me? Yeah. But honestly, it it's probably something internal. They don't have the time. They have too many things they have to do. Um, sometimes HR professionals are overworked and have three different hats that they're doing. I mean, three different Mm -hmm. hats they they carry as a professional. So I know it sucks and it hurts like your your, your soul, your ego, right? But um, (laughs) it's really not about you, my friends. It's really not. It has nothing to do with your expertise or your ability to do the job. If they ghost you, it's like, all right, they didn't have the time. Let's keep it moving. Like, please don't go down a spiral and don't go down like a rabbit hole of like, I'm not good enough because you are good enough. Mm -hmm. No, I was actually ghosted really bad. Like recently it was, it was crazy. So as I've been looking for a new job, Mm -hmm. um, my friends, my friends, um, aunt, she's actually a family law attorney and he reached out to her. Well, he let me know first that she was looking for someone to work for her. And then I finally connected with her. I called her. We really like clicked. Um, I had a phone interview and then I met with her in person. This was still during like 
pre-COVID, I guess it wasn't that bad. So like I went in with my mask and I spoke to her and she really liked me. Like we really clicked. And we started talking about what my starting wage was going to be when I was going to start. And um, I was supposed to start near the end of last year. So around November, that's when we had agreed. So I can put in like, let them know at my job where I, I actually am still at. <laughs> so that way we wouldn't <laughs> have any problems. And right. yeah, she ended up like, I would reach out to her when I was getting close to the date. Um, I would email her. I would call her office. I would call her. I had her personal cell phone number. But I would do this like every week. I would reach her out in some kind of way and ghosted, ghosted, ghosted. She never got back to me. And it's very unprofessional on her end because she's an attorney. Yeah. And why would you make someone, why, first of all, why waste your own time? Why would you lead someone on like that? <laughs> so I was yeah. like very annoyed, like upset because I was like, oh, well, I'm going to start a new job and then ghosted. Yeah. <laughs> so. I'm just like, well, you're lost, honey. Moving on to the bigger and better things. <laughs> yes, moving on. Exactly, moving on. Seriously, if, if you're, it's crazy. If you're ghosted at that mm -hmm. level, it's like, all right, that's that's a clear indication that that's someone you may not want to work with because exactly. they are not respecting your time and they're not um, being transparent, right? We know people are going through things, so that's okay if you're going through mm -hmm. something, but be transparent, right? And that's also clear indication that that might not be the place for you to work at. So if you're ghosted, yeah, it, it does suck. But also the silver lining is that that might not have been the right place for you anyways. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I'm I, like, I still think about it. <laughs> yeah. I I'm do just too. like I, one quick I message, you know? <laughs> yeah, I agree. I've been it's crazy where they asked me to email them. So I email them and then they never respond yeah. Or the assistant mm -hmm. response when the eight, when the vice president said they were going to write to me, and mm -hmm. it's just so interesting. So now, a couple years later, I'm reflecting on it, and I say, well, clearly, I would not have really thrived in that environment because things went down, and they didn't align with my values or didn't align how I want to show up in the workplace. So. Um, and ended up being like a blessing in disguise. So sometimes yeah. we have to trust the process and trust the journey and trust that everything is working out in our favor. And you can tap into if you're religious into whatever faith you have, spirituality, the stars, the mm -hmm. moon, the, the trees, like Mother Nature or, or God or however you identify, right? Something greater is operating and we have to trust that sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yes. So after processing all of that, do you have any particular questions about your resume that you want to ask um, or any general mm -hmm. feedback? Um, well, I think one thing I'm always like questioning. Um, so on my resume, I don't have all my experiences on it. Mm -hmm. I tend to put experiences that are more professional now that I have more professional experiences that align with the job I am applying for. So like I do have um, like I do have a resume where it has all of those experiences, but then I have a resume like I added that resume for the certain job. And then if they ask about other things, oh, I actually worked here when I was younger. That's not on my resume, but you know. Or sometimes you can also just split your resume with like, uh, what's the word? I'm trying to think of the the little phrase I would put at the top of it. Um, basically, just saying related experiences that apply to this job, other. So I would do that right. before 
but I was just like, eh, it's too long. I, so I just started kind of turning in um, like a resume that's just related to the job I am applying for. So I don't know what you recommend to do. That's always mm-hmm. just one of the questions I'm, I'm pondering on when I apply for a job. Like, do I really need to include all these 10 different jobs I've had that don't really relate to this job or I don't know. <laughs> Yes, that's a great question and a common question. I think the the two part kind of answer is that yes, you can um, only put the job experiences that relate to the job that you're applying to. And the rest could go on your cover letter if it connects to that job, Mm -hmm. if the company is asking for a cover letter. Or you can save that those experiences, like you mentioned, and talk about it in the interview, right? So, mm-hmm. um, you like you mentioned, you can say this is not on my resume, but I do have this lived experience that connects to this job or that question, mm-hmm. and you can draw draw on that as well. Um, because part of the strategy with the resume is you want to get through the online system and you want to get through the door, right? You want to get the application to be printed so that an HR person can read it. So yeah. the, um, the experiences have to really match the job description. So I think that's a great way to do it. Like you said, mm-hmm. just include what matches that job description. And then the rest you put in your cover letter or you talk about it in your interview. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's important to have all those experiences at least on one resume, like your master resume yeah. um, that you can create. Um, and if you don't mm-hmm. have one, that's okay. You have time to do it. You can do it start today and create yeah. like your master, your master resume. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I first like coming out of graduation, obviously, like I didn't really have professional experiences besides where I've interned. So right. like include those internships on there. And then if you're working at a fasted restaurant, like there's skills that you get from Absolutely. that place that will help you for the future. So don't be discouraged when I, like I said, I got my, my job because I interned there prior to it and they know that I knew how to work their system, um, that I've seen how the immigration law works and the kind of work that they do. And so just having that kind of knowledge and the background knowledge of how their company works was a foot in the door. Even though my prior experiences was, um, I was a Spanish teacher assistant in, in college. I worked for Mm -hmm. our eating area in college, but I was a team leader. So that makes it like, oh, she has leadership. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So it's just like, you know, put those things on your resume. And then like, also I had, I remember when I applied for this job, um, I would work as a roofer with my dad in the summer. So I would be on those roofs. I was the only girl (laughs) up there and like, I'm a hard worker and that's what they see, you know? exactly so add things on your resume yeah it's okay coming out from like graduation you literally just graduated like school is your life during those times if you get to work then put those things on your resume if you interned if you were a mentor for someone yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> like put those things on there yeah and if you take your abuelita to the doctors or your parents and you are interpreting you are translating documents and so you put that on your resume you are a professional interpreter (laughs) seriously oh my gosh Uh, all those memes of like (laughs) it's like a little kid crying it's like a little kid crying and they're like when your parents when you're three and your parents are yelling at you because they can't translate this document (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this official document I'm like oh my gosh story of my life 
yes. like I even right now names. yeah my spanish thank god has i go to spanish like every every to spanish i go to mexico every <laughs> i go to mexico every year um and i think that really helped me with my spanish for sure and i do a lot of translating and i like i speak to t- so many hispanics um at my job all the time and that really mm-hmm. helped my Spanish. And I just like, my translating has gone really good. <laughs> in terms yes. Of but like I said, like other obligations as a first generation, translating is a big one. <laughs> Interpreting is a big yes. one. So like my parents just bought a new house. So we're moving from here soon. And like all those documents that they have to sign and stuff. for like, yeah, who's, tra- all the who's translating that when she has time? Me. <laughs> on top of all the other things I have to do I'm just like oh my gosh but yeah it comes, it comes with the with the being the oldest kid I guess yes it comes with the territory yeah yes yes so another thing I wanted to mention um about your resume is mm-hmm. your resume that's a master resume can be five to ten pages it doesn't matter because that's not the one you submit but the one that you submit could be one to two pages, depending on mm-hmm. um, where you're at in your career. Generally, from zero to five years, I say one page. And then if you're five and above two pages, but sometimes if, if, uh, if you're making a big jump to like, from an entry level position to like a program manager or director, and you need to show more skills, two pages is acceptable. Um, so, but also don't try to fill it with fluff, right? It's if, if, if it genuinely matches, yes, you can do that. Um, mm-hmm. And another thing I was reviewing um, what you sent me earlier. And if you're listening, um, I'm going to give general feedback since I'm not going to show her resume for privacy purposes. Um, so really quickly, the first thing is, make sure if you're editing your resume, not only you, Emily, but anyone listening, for your margins to be at least 0.5. So you have more space to really write out what you're saying. So you don't have so much like dead white space on the left or the right. Um, So you give yourself more room to write out bullet points, right? Because one Mm -hmm. bullet point matters when you're completing your resume. Yeah, for those and bullet then, points, do you recommend to be short on those bullet points or do you recommend to like, I don't know, because supposedly resume is not supposed to be like full on sentences. <laughs> exactly. N- not full on sentences. I recommend just one bullet, one line. Um, yeah. And um, what was you use a lot of great um, action verbs and action words. So that's great. So if you're listening, make sure you're using those action verbs. And if it's a job in the past, make sure it's in the past, right? I trained, mm-hmm. I helped, I supported. Um, but if you're talking about your job that you're doing now, obviously the present tense. And then I don't know, I can't tell since it's a PDF, but the font should be either depending on how many jobs you have, or maybe 10.5 or 11 can you can use so you have more room to add more jobs e- experiences and I also generally say uh three to five bullet points per job okay. so you, the most um important 
job description and experiences you had in that job or that volunteer experience or that leadership role mm-hmm. um, would go at the top. And then I would add uh, as much quantifiable evidence as you can, right? So if you were a team leader, how many people were you in a team with? Or how many people did you manage? Or how many people did you mentor? Or how many presentations did you give for a group project? Or how many um, presentations you had to give at a job? Like, for example, if you're working in marketing, sometimes you have to do like sales pitches. How many sales pitches have you done? Or for immigration uh, Mm. law, how many cases have you reviewed? How many clients have you seen in a week, right? All those quantifiable evidences will give the company and the HR manager and the hiring people an idea of your the, the workload that you can handle, right? Um, did I, um, I don't know if I did. I don't think I did. <laughs> I can't remember uh, if I included um, like handling over something cases at a time. I think, I don't know if I ever did, if I did include that. No, no, I don't see it here. So that's something I would add um, mm-hmm. as you're editing it. I would add that. And then something that you can put on your, sometimes on job descriptions, they let you put references in the system. You don't need necessarily need those on the resume. Um, mm-hmm. And you don't have to put references upon request either because that they know that they if they need a reference, they can ask you. Um, okay. So that's kind of like an unspoken truth already in the application process. So I would just say that so you have it handy for you personally, but you don't need to put on your mm-hmm. resume. So those mm-hmm. are kind of the, the the top three things that I would review and kind of edit um, when you're applying to other jobs in the future, right? I mean, we know this yeah. resume worked because you have an interview, so... <laughs> Mm-hmm. So you have the experiences. It's a matter of making it even stronger and even tighter. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and I can yes. add, well, maybe another experience rather than the references. Right, exactly. So that space that takes up the references, you can add a whole other experience and that'll make mm-hmm. it even stronger for sure. Yeah, and then for, what would you say then for um, adding... Like, I think in mine, I just added under my school. I think that's where I put my other extra things that I would do that yep. stand out, I guess. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. a good way to do it for like studying abroad and stuff like that. Yeah, I think that's fine. You can put that under your education because that matches your undergrad experience. That's fine. Yes. Mm-hmm. I would just double check the font so you have more space and give yourself more room. Um, but other than that, any other questions? I don't think so. Um, you didn't mention personal statement. Um, I remember I sat down with like a career coach in college. So for personal statements, basically using the language that is in the job description to form your your personal statement is always a good way to go same with like when you're if you need to write a cover letter using that same language from the job description <laughs> yes good tips that I've learned um yes that's yeah. great so, yeah, I think definitely. um 
if you're listening, a personal statement is like a little paragraph that explains who you are and gives more depth mm -hmm. to your experiences. And sometimes it's called objective as well. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. So that's a very personal decision. A lot of people teach to include it and a lot of people teach to not include it. So that mm -hmm. is a personal preference to include it or not. Um, because sometimes that personal statement, you can use that for your cover letter. You don't necessarily need it on your resume. However, mm -hmm. a good strategy is if someone does not ask you for a cover letter, then it might be a good idea to keep the personal statement and the objective. But if a company or an organization asks you for a cover letter, then take it off the resume and put it in the cover letter. So then you also have more room on your resume to add another experience. Mm -hmm. But that's really a case by case basis. And it really depends on your your personal preference. Mm -hmm. I mean, like I can read mine. Do you want me to read mine? <laughs> I'm like, I always, yeah, if you want to. I always adjust mine. I'm like, I just opened my resume. I was like, what is it? <laughs> just a little bit um, to make it more relatable to the to the mm -hmm. job or just like at least right. change kind of the wording sometimes. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think this is for the last one I applied for. I said, I am a high achiever and a lifelong learner who is empathetic, friendly, positive, and adaptable, even in challenging situations. As a bicultural bilingual individual, my mission is to bring open dialogue and connectedness to diverse groups of individuals by utilizing my skills of innovation and communication. One of my greatest passions is to support, guide, and ensure equality as well as justice to those I come across. So with my job, or the job I applied for. Yeah. Yeah. Along the lines. <laughs> I think that works. Did that job ask for a cover letter? Uh, yes, they did. They did. Okay. And so normally, like, for my cover letters, I've been writing so many cover letters. Like I said, I've, I've applied for, like, <laughs> seven jobs in the past month or so. Yes. It's been crazy. So I'm excited. That's why I'm, like, so excited, finally. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, for my cover letters, I always, like, this time I took a different route for my cover letter. I think that's what really helped probably land an uh, interview just because it was different. Um, it wasn't, like, I'm qualified for this job because of this. Blah, 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 blah. I, um, I just like, I shared a personal story and I connected it, connected, I can't say connected today, connected <laughs> it to that story and it just kind of tied everything together. So yeah, I think that's what, I think that's what helped. So I looked up yeah, that ways to draw attention to my cover letter, you know, just cause I thought they right. were boring. So I was like, I'm going to try something new this time. And it's fun and yeah. I like how it turned out. <laughs> Yes, it worked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. So any last words of advice to any students listening that identify as first gen, Latina, mm -hmm. who are interested in immigration um, as we wrap up our uh, interview slash coaching yeah. session today? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I always like support and try and motivate um, people of color, first-generation students um, to go to school. I know it's very hard. And I know when I was in middle school, there was, even in high school, there's teachers that would always give like some sort of different treatment to kids of color or just different or just bicultural, I guess. 
um, just because we're not seen as the smartest or I don't know, just like these stereotypes, right? So there was always stereotypes throughout growing up where they said, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that, you're not capable of this, you don't perform as well as the white students in our school, blah, blah. Um, and they would give them modified homework. And it's just like, from there on, I was like, no, 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 like, no, I would always be like, why do you guys like, let them, you know, treat you like that? You're not, no, you're literally just like, accommodating them, you're supposed to outperform that stereotype. So ever since then, right. it's like, literally why I'm like, I advocate for students to just try and freaking prove them wrong that's always that's been my story like proving people wrong I would have never thought I would have graduated from George Fox University like an all-white Christian school basically speak at my commencement as a Latina woman at an (laughs) all-white school in front of it was just insane you know so literally just like don't settle for less don't let people tell you you're not capable you are capable it's all in your head um, but yeah, don't let people tell you what you can and can't do. It's all, it all starts with you. Like we said previously. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then also in the law field, I mean, like, like there's not that many Hispanics, I guess, pursuing it, especially Latina woman or women in general. So right. that's, I think that's why I'm so hungry for that degree. Like I'm going to get it. And I think you should have the same kind of hunger and change change the idea people have of first-generation students, people of color, people who are bicultural, um, people who are, who identify as a woman, um, Latinas, as Latinas, we have so many, there's so much machismo in our cultural culture that we just need a break. And I always speak up for it. I don't let my uncles, my dad, my dad, sometimes we go at it. And I'm like, no, not today, not today, honey. Uh-uh. This is a different, this is yeah. different like, generation. So yeah, yes, literally. Yes. Um, my, I'm like, I just looked at my my graduation cap because <laughs> I have it right here. Wait, I'm gonna yeah. show you it. I don't know if you'll be able All to see it in the video. Yeah. So like, this was my grad cap from this one. So it says, so it says this. It says, a veces lloré, a veces dudé, pero nunca me rajé yeah so like literally get it done girls and get it done sister (laughs) guys you know get it done amigas seriously prove them wrong like i live for it that's literally my my story proving people wrong don't let people think less of you Mm -hmm. exactly it starts with you do you show up authentically we are here to support you and Mm -hmm. hopefully motivate you after listening in on this chat Yes. Yeah. And I think, I don't know if you're going to share my, um, well, I put my Instagram down. Um, yeah. So definitely like if you share my Instagram, <laughs> it's Emmy. Yes, so E-M-I, E-M-I underscore Laura 05. Definitely follow me and we can get in touch, connected and go from there. I love, I love hearing people's stories and giving them tips. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. I will put all of Emily's um, contact information, Instagram, LinkedIn in the show notes. So if you want to connect with her, if you're in the Oregon West Coast area, or if you have questions about law school or any questions about her lived experiences, reach out to her. um, And I will share all that contact in the show notes. And make sure you um, let us know what you liked about this episode. Uh, Rate, review, subscribe leave us some five stars 
And mm. um, <laughs> thank you so much, Emily, for chatting with me today. I hope you all felt inspired, motivated, and ready to seize the college world and also the job application process. Yeah, awesome. That's Thanks for having me. <laughs> of course. Wow, my friends, we made it to the end of another amazing episode. If you enjoyed this episode and learned something, please make sure that you rate, review, subscribe, and let us know your biggest takeaway from today's episode and commentary on your biggest learning. If you would like more information about the person that I interviewed and the guest, make sure you check out the show notes where all the information will be there on how to reach them, learn more about their work, And if you would like to work with me, uh, please check out the website, www.deliciaalarcon.com slash services. And that's where you will learn how we can work together. You can add me on Instagram, deliciadalarcon, where we can chat and connect that way as well. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and cheers to the next one. Again, I'm Delicia, your host for College and Career Coffee Chats. Or your resident hypea. Until next time, my friends. Cheers. <laughs>